guys, this is John Dean coming at you from another episode of Nomad Happy Hour. Today we are outside of Nashville, Tennessee area. Uh, yes, that's right guys, I am over in Tennessee, the East Coast. Uh, some of you have not heard from me in a while, so the last time you guys heard from me I was over in Craggy, Washington, Arizona. That was about a week ago, and like I said, we are now around Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, lately, I have been chatting with a gentleman online. His name is Johnny Blaze. Uh, he is the owner of property out here, which is called Wonderlust Waypoints. He, it's a DIY company, which he's starting for nomads, schoolie conversions, anybody that's out on the road. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to be full-time or not, but anybody that's wanting to basically build their own conversions. Um, now we'll go into more detail in that, but he's not going to be, you know, building them for you. So the property will be set up and this will be multiple properties around the U.S., but it's going to be multiple properties where you're going to be able to come in and you're going to be able to rent the space. You'll possibly even be able to rent a cabin mattering on which property you're at. Uh, you'll be able to rent tools and you'll be able to utilize all those tools while you are at that property building building out your your schoolie or whatever your conversion is. Uh, so if you guys are, are looking for any new places that are, are coming up, look for the Wanderlust Waypoint. So right now we're going to That go is just really rolling off your tongue, man. I know. I hate the name of your of your name, You're welcome. Of the name of the place. Well it's because I drive the Wanderlust bus. It's it's <laughs> it's all about branding, man. So, uh, Johnny Blaze actually, we're just going to put this out there real quick. He used to be a radio uh, person also, so he just kind of chimes in whenever he wants, guys. So, at this point, we're going to uh, introduce Johnny Blaze oh, here. I didn't, I didn't realize you wanted to like... <laughs> I didn't know we had to hit edit points. I'm sorry. We don't have no edit points here. I go in and re-edit all this myself. Alright, beautiful. So... But thank you, Johnny, for uh, coming on the Nomad Happy Hour. If you could uh, introduce yourself a little bit. I know I said a, little, a lot about you already, but if you can tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm 43 years old, nomad, bought a bus, got crazy, converted it into an organic tiny house. Now I'm a crazy organic hippie that lives in the middle of the mountains in Tennessee and wants to bring other nomads here to do the same thing. And How did just, you just become crazy. a nomad? Uh, that was, that was a matter of necessity. Um, we, I mean, I was, I was living the American dream, you know, I was, I was doing the nine to five, working my butt off, trying to make sure that I got the next best thing, the bigger house, the bigger car, the better things. And we got to the point that it was just breaking me. Like we, we were living in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Uh, I was working for a major corporate, major marketing company and they downsized and I was living in a 4,000 square foot house, two car garage with an extra place for my shop and all sorts of stuff. So it went, we went from there and we, I went back into the clubs and went to, went to Lexington, Kentucky and we stopped there. And after that, I lived in Lexington for a year, spent ridiculous amounts of money on a house that it was the only option to move into because I needed it short term or short, short notice. So it was a ridiculous amount a month plus the ridiculous amount to pay for it because it was vaulted ceiling so it cost an arm and a leg to heat. Mm -hmm. 
And after spending a year doing that, I said, I'm done. This We had been researching tiny houses and we had been researching Earthship and we, we were looking at all sorts of different ways. We we're going to buy property and go to the homestead route and just say, forget everything, we're done and, and start subsistence farming and, and, and utilizing our property to make revenue and all that. And then my mom passed away. And when my mom passed away, that gave us the opportunity to, my mom was a big travel person. She loved to travel. So it gave us an opportunity to do the same thing. And so we built the bus using some of this money that was left over from when my mom passed. And, you know, I got a great deal on the bus and I, I converted it using nothing with chemicals. And it, it was a crazy process. We did a whole YouTube channel and, and we landed here. After three years, we, a year and a half into it, we realized we found out that all of my kids get motion sick, mm -hmm. so we can't go. Motion anywhere. sickness when you decide to live on the road. Shut up. <laughs> you the, must really love your kids. So uh, the universe, the universe told me otherwise because genuinely, we were when we got into the bus, it was the year before COVID, full time. We were we were a year into it, full time when COVID hit, and it was not meant to be we weren't supposed to travel at that point we're like okay well so we bought a chunk of land here and started this i started i started waypoints back in 2017 as kind of a side project mm -hmm. and don't we all yeah exactly it's just yeah it project. was it was another it was another idea that i had that i'm a marketing guy by trade so that's why i built a website for it and i i'm like yeah let's do this okay cool and that's I, it's been I, I launched the website in 2017 facebook in 2017 mm -hmm. And I had our first customer in 2017 at uh, in Kentucky. Nice. And we Congratulations! Had, yeah, thanks. It was the only customer we ever had until <laughs> I, I came back here. Because well, we had we had three people come out. They were they were awesome people. They came out with a bus and they built their bus halfway, and then somebody left. And my buddy Andrew came out and he built his bus out at our place. And mm -hmm. so it, it started back then as that's what we were going to do there because we were going to be there for a while and it was a fair amount of land. So we're like, well, let's just we'll do this here. And it just, it, it became, my bus became all consuming. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was a monster that was eating me every day. And after three years, my, my wife literally said, okay, we're leaving tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I said, what? Like genuinely, we're leaving tomorrow. And we did, we pulled out 24 hours later and we, we started full time. Isn't that crazy when we get thrown in something that we can get it done so much quicker? Yeah. Well, oh, oh and it wasn't done. It was <laughs> well, not done, but if it was three days, you know, before that, and she wouldn't have told you, like, well, here's leaving, the thing: three days before that, it wouldn't have been movable. Three days before that, I was reading a checklist that was a mile long of things I needed to do before departure, <laughs> and then she just went, "Okay, let's go." There you uh, go. Yeah, what, pack a bag. Let's yeah, roll. we we need to roll. It, it's and I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll do it, and we did. And so we've been, we've I know seeing coming on your property and seeing the rigs that I see around here. There's a majority of buses yeah were you always into schoolies into buses uh so no no I, I tell everybody i had a midlife crisis and instead of buying a lambo i bought a 30 year old motor coach okay and that's what started it for me and because of that i've gotten into other things with business as far as business partners go i've met my business partner with phoenix coach through being owning this bus because he owns the same make and model that i own so we started talking and it was, uh, it was a really kismet thing. And then I get to meet all sorts of awesome people through that. And I started in the schoolie community because I'm not a motor coach guy. 
I do. I love motor coaches now because I've I've been immersed in that world. But I built I built that bus on a schoolie budget and with a schoolie mindset. I didn't build that bus with a with with a motor coach mindset. <laughs> I mean, you look at some of these motor coaches that are out there. You're 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 seeing two hundred two and a half million dollar rigs rolling down the road. So the motor coaches are like the the yachts of our lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, they're they're the big yachts. Like when you're talking you're you're talking entertainer coaches. Those mm-hmm. those are big money coaches. And you know, you buy a brand new one, it's two and a half million dollars. I don't know much about schoolies and stuff, but are the crowns are those considered coaches? No, no. Well, if they, it depends. If they're a school bus, they're a school bus. If they're a coach, they're a coach. Because you got Bluebird who makes school buses, and who also made one of the coolest old motorhomes that you can buy. It's a, it's a Bluebird Wander Lodge, mm-hmm. and it's a school bus, but it's already been done as a motorhome, and it's it's an RV, but it's built with a school bus chassis and the and the frame, so it's it's just as good as a school bus. But for the most part, there's it, it depends on what it was supposed to be. But like mine's a motor coach. It was made to go on the road, travel ten million miles, and not go off road anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. As some of us do with our rigs that aren't made to go off road. Oh no! Yeah, the, if I did that, it would live wherever I decided to make that dumb decision mm-hmm. forever. Why do you say that? I've got like six inches of clearance from the bottom from from the bottom of the road to the bottom of where my frame is. So no Joshua tree for you. No, no. <laughs> We we considered going to Burning Man, and uh, I luckily enough that's flat. I dis- I still decided against it because the bus would eat that dust and die there. Mm-hmm. It's an old six V ninety two Detroit. It would choke itself to death. So if you guys decided to go back out on the road, would you have to get something else? Or she can move. I mean, she she runs and drives. Uh, she runs and drives spectacularly. She's only got 170,000 miles on her. She's basically just barely broken in for a motor coach. And she's built to roll boondocked. Uh, if I put my solar on the roof, which I didn't put it on because we decided to go semi-permanent here. Mm-hmm. But if I put solar on it, I can I can stay out for a week without having to go fill up or anything. I carry, I carry, I carry and yes, guys, here. you did hear him right. He is semi-permanent here. Yes. So some of us that live out on our rigs... We don't have to be out on the road to be into this uh, community or into this lifestyle. I mean, we can build onto our rigs. You guys can't see his home here <laughs> because we're on audio. But if we were doing YouTube, I would definitely show it to you because he built a house onto the side of his bus. I did. I you can take I take my front doors off and you walk into my mudroom. So it's it's it was it was a necessity after the the new wee bambino showed up. Because five of us in in a bus is great when you're traveling. Mm-hmm. Because when you're traveling, you're using the rest of the world as an extension of your home. But when you're semi-permanent, you can't use the rest of the world as your home. Mm-hmm. And when it's 12 degrees outside, it's really hard to send the kids outside so the baby can nap. So, Is that why you got your daughter a bus? That's uh, I got my daughter a bus because she's a teenager. <laughs> insane. <laughs> I had the option to get her out of my house and put her at the other end of my property. That, that was a no-brainer, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do the same thing for all the other ones. Like, oh, you're, you're old enough that you can be responsible for yourself. I've built you a small, tiny house. Please go there. There you go. We can just choose where you want it on the property. Pick, pick your choice. Mm-hmm. Got to be here, here. Or you can go to one of the other properties. I, I know you're seven, but if you want to go to New Orleans, you're fine. <laughs> 
seven driving a bus to New Orleans. It'll be there. <laughs> if as long as I, in Tennessee, as long as I label it farm truck, it's fine. By then, it'll be driving itself. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. Uh, so, um, so tell us a little bit about what you and God Almighty, this list is going to go on forever. But bring it down as simple as possible for us. Uh, your build of your bus. Uh, build of my bus, three-year process. I'll break it down for you. Super simple. Okay. Three-year process. Everything was organic or natural or clean or chemical-free because my kids are uh, – my, my, my wife has a gene mutation. It's an MTHFR gene mutation. And the kids most likely do too. We don't know if uh, they haven't been tested yet, but, you know, COVID. But so uh, once we find out about that – but that's the reason we did that. We've been organic for over a decade, uh, strictly across the board, clothes – products that we use, cleaning products, food, everything. We've not eaten at a restaurant in over a decade. Holy cow. Well, I've, I've eaten at a restaurant because I've traveled more significantly than she has, so I've been able to find actual organic restaurants. Mm-hmm. There's, there's one in Kansas City that I recommend if, uh, if anybody's out there going to Kansas City. So I don't remember the name of it, so I'll give you a link. There you go. Uh, but yeah. Great way to recommend uh, Yeah, I know, right? It was, it was this awesome, it's, it's, it's an awesome little dive bar next to a drag, uh, a drag show place. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the coolest so place. So were you at the dive bar or the drag show place? I went to the dive bar to get food because I found out it was all organic. But I did, while waiting for my food, go check out the drag show and it was fabulous. You got to. Absolutely. <laughs> I forget her name, but she was awesome on stage. She'd done things that I hadn't seen a drag queen do before. <laughs> yeah, I've been to many drag shows, okay? Okay. There's, there's nothing... There might be some other questions off air. (laughs) Yes, yes, there should be. (laughs) But no, the build, three-year process, all organic, no chemicals, and it's weird because we are doing construction again, like the house you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and I I have the same requirements for that build that I did for my bus uh, because... We're tiny house people. We're, we're, we converted that bus into a tiny house, and you have to be aware of the amount of off-gassing that happens in those, in those tiny spaces. Mm-hmm. Some materials aren't made to be in our tiny spaces because it will literally kill you. Mm-hmm. So that's why we went the way we did. And back then, when we did this bus five years ago, it was almost impossible. I had to hunt do the hours and hours and hours of research to find companies that would meet the requirements that we had for, for the chemical free and for making sure there was no formaldehyde in any of the wood. And like we have organic paint on our walls. Mm-hmm. We have organic piping that's made out of soy for our plumbing. So we went to extremes to find things that were clean and it cost us an exponential amount of money. And guys, if you guys want any information about any of these uh, organic products, I'm going to end up putting a link to his to his Instagram, to his YouTube, to all of his contacts. So you guys can uh, message Johnny and ask him about any of those products that he used. I'm sure he'd be more than willing to let you guys know. They're on the website too. Okay, cool. So if you link them, they'll be able to see everything I've done and everything I've used that's, that's clean like that. Sure. Because like I said, when I did it, it wasn't available, so I wanted to make sure the information was out there. Mm-hmm. But now you can go. You can go to Home Depot and buy seventy nine cent a square foot Green Guard certified formaldehyde free flooring. Hmm. It's 
awesome. And we've seen a massive increase in the demand for clean products, for organic mm-hmm. products. And it's, it's phenomenal for us because we've been crazy hippies for you know, 15 years now. So it was a lot harder when we started. We were, we were going to stores that people were like, oh, that's a store? I'm sorry. I didn't, I, Isn't I it a plaza. It's crazy that it takes us living in buses and rigs to, to open up some of these companies that are out there that people just don't know about. Absolutely. That are way better than what's actually being used. And, you know, just as one example... You know, insulation per, per mm-hmm. se. You know, there's so many better products out there than using fiberglass. That's we have we have rock wool in that mm-hmm. bus, and that was that was one of the cleanest options. We wanted to get actual lambs wool, mm-hmm. but the only place that it was available at that time when we did this was Scotland, and it was almost impossible. The shipping was astronomical. The actual cost was astronomical, and I'm just like. Rock wool is the next best thing. It's a mineral wool. It's Green Guard certified. It's formaldehyde free. It's no adhesives that off gas. Okay. I'm and now, can you order? Now they have spray foam insulation that is <laughs> that is green that doesn't have formaldehyde as their as their activant for the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still not spectacular, but once it's cured and dried, it is now inert. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of products that we use in our life that are like that. We recycle polyester. It's terrible for the planet. Polyester and general, plastics in general are terrible for our planet. We all know about microplastics and all that, and I'm not going to get on a soapbox about any of this, so don't worry. You already talk enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's radio guy, man. I know. I know. So. You're going to end up taking over my podcast. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I, I don't have time for that. Down the line. We'll just we'll just team up and we'll do like a dual host. And there you go. Just, just dial, dial you in. Every yeah. Once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so the, the, the product demand has gone through the roof and it's spectacular to see and it's so easy to access now and it's awesome for everybody because it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. The, the things that are, are, are happening on our planet and the, the way people are thinking is a lot better than it was a decade ago. And we're starting to realize that maybe we were doing things wrong just because it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we should keep doing it that way. What is? It, what would that be? Would that be quantity over quality? Is I think kind of quality thing? over quantity. Yeah, is is what you is what what and that's, that's something I realized because I'm I'm the cheapest guy you will ever meet. I promise you. And I realized that in some situations you are better buying a quality piece of equipment mm-hmm. than you would be buying the cheap one. Now there are situations where you can buy the cheap one seven times. Mm-hmm. before you can pay the cost of a full one. So how long does that cheap one last? That's where you outweigh that. Right. So if it's gonna, if that cheap one's going to last 10 years and you'll get seven of them before you pay for the one that will last yeah. 20, get the cheap one. You know. It reminds me of like the diesel heaters and rigs nowadays. Yep. You know, you can use the higher end diesel heaters or you can use the lower end diesel heaters and they're pretty much the same damn thing other yeah. than the products that are put into them. Exactly. And those Chinese ones, they're getting better and better as they go anyways. Well, and it's it, the, the problem is with the lower quality stuff and the lower price stuff is you have a lower quality of workmanship, mm-hmm. meaning the likelihood of failure is a lot higher. So something like a diesel heater, I would probably not go with something super cheap. Mm-hmm. Because you want the welds to like hold together. Right. Same thing with your if you're putting a wood stove in. Mm-hmm. 
want something that, that, that it wasn't made at five o'clock on a Friday by a guy that was getting fired that day. <laughs> so, man, oh, time to go. Yep. All of a sudden, you got flames shooting out the side of your wood stove and mm-hmm. catching your ass around on fire. So. You had one job, and that was to put that one bolt to that one weld. And... You, you and I both know guys like that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. Oh yeah. shit, that was you're, me. I mean, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and and nobody specific. Yeah, we just people it's just cross our paths somewhere, everywhere, all the time <laughs> in certain situations. <laughs> so since we talked about your your build, um, can you can we start talking maybe more about uh, waypoints? Absolutely. Um, maybe diving into from what the future of waypoints looks like and all the way down to you know when people pull in here what they can expect like on a daily um are they going to have shops are they going to have a place to work on things are they going to have tools to rent what kind of tools you know all that kind of stuff because i feel like being here and helping build this business um is going to be it's such an exciting thing mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah, we're we're really excited for what's going on, and we're we're excited for the demand that has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I I made a post a month and a half ago about wanting some people to come on with hands, and in the infancy stage of this, and the response was absolutely insane. And from people that wanted to come and help to people that want to come and pay because it's a place to park, and so. I really decided to start pushing things and look into doing real market research and doing all of the the actual business stuff as opposed to I want to have a place where people can go. Like it started out as a almost a hobby, mm-hmm. you know, like something that I can do on the side and in addition to my marketing business and, and do and, and have people here and have have families come so my kids have people to play kids to play with and so that my wife has somebody to talk to because. Otherwise, it's she's talking to four kids all the time because I'm covered up with other stuff and mm-hmm. she goes stir crazy. So we end up looking for other nomads because that's the mentality we have. We, we're, we're stationary, but we want to be on the road. We would rather be on the road than be stuck here all the time. Mm-hmm. That's just not in the cards. So we opened up the doors for this to do that, and now it's become a real viable business model. And a viable business model enough that I sat down and really set the business up and I did a lot of the preliminary work in 2017 and it just wasn't going to be something that was going to get ever that big mm-hmm. but now the the move the nomad movement has gone exponentially larger and since 2018 the nomad movement has grown 100%, 100%. like yeah. we were 4.3 million nomads digital nomads in 2018 and in 2021 over 11 million digital nomads. Wow. So you're you're talking about a massive increase in the people that are doing this over a period of four years. And that number is going to keep going up. Do you really think so? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I have a Do feeling, you not think so? Well, I have a feeling that it's going to crash soon. Like, I don't think it'll ever crash. I think it'll, it'll crest. It'll, it'll crash... And then it'll skyrocket again real quick. But it's, it's almost like, um, I don't know, the big comparison is like a classic car. You know, like the Camaro. They brought it back 
and then they brought it back for like two, three years, and then they took it away. And the reason why they took it away again is so that way it would skyrocket even more. Well, I, I think I think we'll see the values come down. Okay. I think we'll see I, I think we'll see these prices come come back to where they should be because right now some of these prices are exorbitant. Oh, you're, God, you're, van you're, you're seeing vans grand. for hundred grand. You're seeing you're seeing schoolies go for hundred forty thousand grand. Exactly. <laughs> so, and that's that's because we are we're in the fad phase yes. right now. And as soon as we get all of the Instagrammers and TikTokers and van lifers and all of that 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 we all follow, when they're not getting sponsored by the companies anymore because it's starting to stale as mm-hmm. content, and the next big thing has hit. Whatever that next big thing is, once we have staled in the fad market, you'll see the prices come back down. But I don't think the lifestyle is ever going to go down. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the I don't think the growth in the lifestyle is ever going to go down either, mm-hmm. because we are in a place in the world today where, if you look at statistics, a family of a family with two jobs and one child can't make a living. In a because home? In, a, in a standard stick and brick home, right? In a if, if especially if you're renting. Well, God, when I came here, I didn't know that minimum wage was seven something dollars yep. an hour. Yep, seven twenty five. Oregon, it's fifteen dollars an hour. Seven twenty five. More than double. What and it then is here. and then think about all the people that are in the service industry. Everybody that you go to a restaurant and tip two dollars and thirteen cents an hour. Don't tip them. And they take taxes out of that. Mm-hmm. So. When you look at that, how Unless somebody a, good server, a waitress tell them about a it. server goes to work at a major national chain, mm-hmm. works eight hours during a lunch shift, and it snowed that day. They had one customer, seven waitresses. Mm-hmm. They split four dollars in tips, mm-hmm. so she made seventeen dollars that day. Mm-hmm. How do you feed your family on that? You don't. 2020 is what made people realize the side hustle didn't have to be a side hustle anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're seeing these numbers go up is because people realize that I don't have to buy, I don't have to rent the, the 4,000 square foot house that's awesome and has the three car garage. I can have a van and go wherever I want. Mm-hmm. And it's, and you're not going to see that stop until, until that, that Venn diagram stops where the overlap of not being able to survive can be outweighed by we can live in a van down by the river. Mm-hmm. And very basic. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, you don't have to spend any amount of money. Well, when the... And, you know, van life's been around forever. Yep. But let's just say when it when the movement started... Hippie's been living in buses for a long time. Right. When, <laughs> it, when the movement started back up again, there was this big craze with... the van life and schooly life and minimalism mm-hmm. minimalism living and it was I, I feel like that whole minimalism thing was going great for a while and now it's like okay we can yes we can do this we can live it on the road Yep. but can we put a tub in can we put heated floors in can we put Next thing you know, people are going to be having... Can we put a full-size washer and dryer and a full-size refrigerator and a dishwasher? And shut up. What? I have that. Two weeks later, take it... Shut up. You're hooked to the grid. (laughs) You're not even out on the road, you asshole. Not anymore. We did did road. Yeah. And I carried a 10,000-watt generator with me. (laughs) Well, then there you go. 
It's just fun. My wife wanted to do laundry, man. It was a requirement. She's like, I have to have a full size. And I have both. I didn't get like one of the cool, I tried to convince her to get one of the cool like combo units that's just one space. No, I have a full size washer and a full size dryer. I mean, whatever happened to using a plunger in a bucket? To wash your clothes? I have kids. (laughs) (laughs) Then put them to work. Do you? Yeah. (laughs) I do. There's a river and there's some clothes. I'm like... We are spring-fed here. You're not wrong. Right. (laughs) Jeez. But no, it's just really funny when you ask people, like, what do you want? And they're like, oh, I want, like, the smallest electrical system, but I also want to run... Two air conditioners. Two air conditioners and a fridge and a blow dryer and like all this shit. And it's like, yeah. oh, I've got, what? I've got, I've got two projectors. I've got a, a double A battery. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's possible now, though. It is possible now. If you if you set things up right, our bus is set up to run on solar. Like mm-hmm. if I put my panels on the roof, with the exception of my dryer, because I understand that one. With the exception of my dryer, I can run. On solar with the batteries, with the with how we have the system set up, so and the technology is just getting better and better with lithium polymer batteries as opposed to lithium ion and, mm-hmm. and, and the gel. There, it's just we're gonna keep seeing the capabilities. Well, go they're up getting and up and better. Up. They're getting the batteries are getting bigger and they're getting lighter. And Components cheaper. are getting cheaper. Well, <laughs> until recently, everything's getting more expensive now. Yeah. Well, I think it was LifePro that just came out with the 300 amp. Yeah. Like, still $800. Yeah. It's the same. I just bought a LifePro last year, a 200 amp, for the same price as I can get a 300 amp for now. So, woohoo. And you're like, dang it. Yeah. That's... That's that's the that's the exact same pain I feel every time I go to build something now, because I look at my bus and go, now I just 15 go, grand cheaper. Now I just go get a 300... <laughs> Life Pro, and I'll just add them together since they're both Life Pro listeners. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, so so backing up to the uh, you know the property and stuff. Um, so when people people are staying here and they want to like work on their rigs, what are they going to be able to to utilize, and what kind of projects are they going to be able to do here on on, on site? So our plan is. That and again, we are at the infancy of this project. Mm-hmm. We just started, so we are still in development. I have a lot of bones, and I have backing to do a lot of this stuff. So it's just a matter of getting it all done now. Mm-hmm. But our plan is to have a place where people can go to literally do any project they need to, and have the tools to do so. Uh, right now, we are as far as this waypoint goes, which is the the flagship waypoint on Baker Mountain. We are fully stocked with every hand tool you could need, every woodworking tool you could need, uh, a lot of metalworking tools. We have a, a, a dual process welder. Um, we'll have our CNC laser and our CNC plasma cutter up and running within the next month, um, provided I can get the laser guy over here to do it. Um, but we want to be a place that has every tool you could think of mm-hmm. to do the coolest projects inside your bus without having to go buy those tools. I already did. I know how much it costs. Mm-hmm. And everybody shouldn't have to do that to live their dream. Mm-hmm. And if people want to do things, I would rather have people spend their money on materials and make sure they're putting in quality materials and doing it the right way as opposed to having to scrimp because they needed to buy a table saw. Mm-hmm. You know, well, 
we're going to buy the really, really cheap fridge because we had to go buy this decent table saw to do all of the work in the bus. Yeah. Well, if I have that decent table saw here, they don't need to spend that money. Mm-hmm. So, and it can be used by multiple people. So I'm getting a good return on my investment. My saw, my, the, the saw is not sitting down in my workshop, not being used. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the plan is we have, we have the space for about, heck, what you and I walked around yesterday, what we got 12 sites here and then possible expansion once I connect the two mm-hmm. sides of the property. Yeah, I'd say you got, you know, estimately 12 usable right now and probably another 12 on the backside. And then we've got 30 by 30 pole barn. We have cabins here. We have the capability to put more cabins on within, mm-hmm. if I have two weeks notice, I can have a cabin put up. Um, and that gives people the opportunity that we can put people not necessarily next to their rigs when they're working on them so that they can have a little place that's pretty that looks at the mountains over here that they're not staring at the side of the yellow bus mm-hmm. in the middle of the Appalachian Mountain because we have a beautiful setting here. Mm-hmm. And we, we're we looking at property up the road. Um, you know, I went and looked at it yesterday and they sold it out from under me. <laughs> but there's other property up there that we're looking at. So we, we are looking to expand to something that's logistically a little bit better because you're, you've been here. Mm-hmm. You see what this is. Yes. It's going to take a lot of work, land moving, to make a lot of sites available. So we'd like to keep this as more of a specialty because we have a really extensive wood shop. We have the clubhouse here and we'll have cabins here. So if we have another site, which is five minutes up the road, we can have all of the people who are doing their builds there as well as a full accoutrement of tools up there specifically for building and leave everything that's here in the specialty realm mm-hmm. woodworking for cabinetry so if somebody wants to come and do their cabinetry they can bring their rig down here pull it next to the shop do their cabinetry but then go back to the community and hang out with everybody up there that's doing roof raises and and cutting the back end of their bus off to put a toy hauler on the back of it or anything that we've we've crazy nomads have decided mm-hmm. that is a good idea to do to these rigs <laughs> because there's I guarantee you the people that engineered school buses are sitting there going they did what? Yep. Okay. I've seen weirder stuff. As long as it drives on the road. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, that's the plan is to, to, to give people a place to go no matter what they need to do. You were mentioning that there's uh, going to be multiple properties. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody pays to come to this waypoint, are they still going to be able to go to other waypoints and utilize them? Or do they have to pay to stay at each one? Um, are they going to be set up possibly the same? So our, our plan long-term is once uh, we're, we're currently in talks with, with three people, um, two of which have pulled the trigger and we are getting ready to open uh, New Orleans, as I was telling you, and uh, there's another one that she hasn't signed paperwork yet, so I'm not at liberty to discuss where that is. But if she pulls the trigger, that's another additional location. And what we'd like to do is the, the two Baker Mountain locations here, those will be part and parcel. That's, mm-hmm. that's just going to be an extension of one another. The other properties, where, wherever they are, it will be dependent upon how the owner of that property is wanting their, their thing set up. Mm-hmm. And we give the owners of the properties a lot of freedom. They, they, can, they can go in with us and have us literally do everything and collect a check, or they can do everything and just use our branding and marketing 
and to bring people in because that comes with our reservation system and all the stuff that we that we do for the business side of it. So if they want to be the homesteader and the, and the guy that, that that runs the Airbnb and meet the people and greet the people and schmooze the people, we let them do that because mm-hmm. that takes load off of us and gives us the ability to invest more in their infrastructure. So we can put powered sites on instead of just having boondocking sites. And so that's the thing about waypoints is every waypoint is going to be different mm-hmm. because every waypoint is going to be somewhere different with a different property and different requirements for that property. So it's kind of an evolving thing and we don't know from one step to the next what's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. the next one could have a water slide on it. Right. We don't know. So are waypoints only going to be building accessible lands or are people going to be able to pay to like just stay? So the, the requirement is building. You, we need, when we open, when we talk to a property owner about a waypoint location, they have to be open to A, having tools, B, having the space, and C, having the ability to let people work. Mm-hmm. If we want to, and they have the capability in the room, and the permits, and all the zoning requirements, and all of those things line up, we have no problem if people come and stay for a weekend after their rigs completely converted and come hang out with the community. We're completely cool with that. It's just the only requirement for a waypoint is you have to be able to build on it because that's why I started this because you can't find them. There's, there's a lot of, there's, there's about seven or eight of us in the country that do this. And I, I've talked to most of the guys that do this and they're all great guys. And everybody in that, in that sector of this school, of the schoolie and nomad world is awesome. Mm-hmm. They're all, everybody's looking out to try to help people. Nobody's, uh, nobody's really trying to get rich. Uh, and if everybody, we all are on the same page about stuff, this is a new, completely new industry that has no legislation around it. So we're all kind of working in little gray areas. Mm-hmm. And if we can get legislation put in place and we can get a focus put on this and really push the agenda of how we want to do this, it could really change things for, for a lot of nomads. And allow a lot of people the ability to do this legally, because mm-hmm. you know, legally you're not allowed to live in your RV full time. Right. So why not? Mm-hmm. That's stupid. The other, <laughs> you know, change the subject a little bit, but you were saying that this is a, uh, a almost a movement within itself. You Absolutely. Know, it's a it's a new business. It's a new career. It's a, it's new, a new industry. Industry. Um, the other thing that's going to be really cool about it, and which a lot of us nomads have problems with, are, are jobs. Mm-hmm. So later on down the road, let's say we, you end up having eight waypoints across the United States, you could have either volunteers or Oh, I'm going, I'm going to need both. Right. Because you're going to need trusted staff employees to manage the volunteers. Mm-hmm. So... There's, it's, it literally goes on all sides. It's, it's a giving thing in order to give people a place that they want to volunteer. They don't have to pay to stay. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can come in and stay and work and help us maintain things and help us expand things and put the water slide in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Tell me so, when that comes in yeah. because that's what I'm going to be building. Oh, I've, already, I've already said it. If, <laughs> if I ever hit the lottery, I, I'm not the guy that goes and buys the, the super big $2.5 billion home and the, mm-hmm. you know gets all of the, the landscaping done. No, I'm the guy that buys more land in the middle of nowhere and puts a roller coaster on it made, out, made out of PVC pipe. So, 
Okay, don't call me when that gets put in because I'm not going on that. <laughs> <laughs> Look up some YouTube videos. You probably will. It's crazy. Okay. <laughs> now you got me wondering. Yeah, I promise it's worth it. But yeah, so... You were mentioning that there's a handful of other companies that do this. Mm-hmm. Or other, you know... I guess, Are they companies? Yeah, we, we are... Wanderlust Waypoints is an LLC. Okay. Um, I... I don't know how everybody else is incorporated or set up, mm-hmm. but as far as legally for for us, an LLC was the was the smartest option. So okay, um, and I know that we all like to in the nomad world work as a community mm-hmm. and work together. What would you say that your place like? Why would why would people be drawn to your place? Tools, Over, tools, tools. Okay, like I don't have right now. As we're having this inter, as we're doing this interview, I am no bathhouses, no showers, water from a spring. But within a month, I'll have showers, outhouses, baths, possibly a bathhouse. The clubhouse should be done. The road should be graveled. It should be a lot further along. And like I said, the post I made was specifically looking for people that were ready to come to this adventure that I'm doing. And we've got people that came. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've already had people come and go who helped us significantly and have moved on to their next step in their adventure. And we're grateful for those people. And with the weather finally breaking from the frigid freeze that it has been, we can actually do some real stuff over here and, uh, and, and get it done. So the process is that if we all get on the same page and we all have the same amenities... And we all have a place to go. That's when when our counties step in and say, hey, you're, you're doing something that's in a gray area. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to find you for this or we're going to try to ditch you for that. That's when we'll be able to get that legislation spotlight put on us mm-hmm. and say we can, we can adjust some things. So I don't even know if that was the question you asked me, but somehow I diverted back to that. That's okay. You're good at that. I know. <laughs> Radio guy. If anybody's looking... To uh, help volunteer, are you looking for volunteers? Uh, now? Right now, we we definitely need volunteers for the New Orleans location. And how can they get a hold of you? Uh, WanderlustWaypoints.com is the website. Find me on Facebook. Uh, I'm in every nomad group on the planet. I'm uh, I'm on social media and Instagram. Like it, it, I'm a marketing guy, man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, you can find me everywhere. If you search for Wanderlust Bus or Wanderlust Waypoints, it's me. Okay. There's nobody else that's this. <laughs> I've built this brand for too long, and I've just SEO'd my butt off to make sure everything works. So if you guys look up anything Wanderlust, you'll end up getting hooked up with Johnny. No, no, not necessarily. If you look up Wanderlust, <laughs> just and make sure you spell it right, because you could. Because so the what's the the funny slip of everybody's typing hands when they message me is. I've been messaged so many times about Wanderslut waypoints <laughs> because it's just a transposition of one set of letters. Mm-hmm. So I get I get messages all the time like I'd like to come out to Wanderslut waypoints. I'm like different kind of thing. What is it? Go ahead, tell us. Wanderslut is it a pros- prostitution? I'm sure. Thing or oh, I don't know. I like it's just the it's the slip. It's it's like Google roulette. You're, you're typing wander slut. You don't mm-hmm. know what you're gonna get. Oh, okay. So, I didn't hope it was like yeah, no, not, business. I haven't st- I haven't done the market research on the <laughs> on the wander slut domain, but I may it's do it later like on when we expand. Resort. 
and then they're like, yeah, we want to come out and visit, and we want to stay at your guys' establishment, and they're not, like, really telling you what they're... So they show up. It's just, just very bunch, vague. There's a bunch of it's, people converting buses, and they're like, wait, what? Is, this is not what I expected. They show up in, like, leather gear. Like, <laughs> I, I, what? Do you have a bus? Is that what you call it? Mm. It's a dungeon. <laughs> I don't know if we got it right. <laughs> it's what we sound like. It sounds like we're in a dungeon. Because we're in the one big empty room in the house. I know, right. I'm, I'm the, uh, I apologize for not having the professional recording studio set up. No, I just apologize not having the studio with me. <laughs> um, it's day three Friday, I think. If we back up a little bit, you have mentioned something to me off air and a little bit on air about something about a Phoenix coach business that you have also. Oh. Speaking of multiple hobbies oh, and yeah. businesses. Speaking of multiple pokers and, yeah. and many fires. So Phoenix Coach Global is a business that I started after, well I didn't start it, I jumped into it. Uh Uh, My business partner Neil had this dream of making the American made bus again. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but there is no motor coach on the road in the United States that is uh, made in the US. Most of them are made in Germany or Switzerland or a lot, some of them are made in India. but we wanted to bring back an American-made coach. And Neil had this dream to do so, so he purchased all of the rights, all of the intellectual property of the Eagle Coach Corporation, which is who made the bus I live in. And they were in business till 1993. Well, Neil and I started talking because he owns an Eagle, I own an Eagle. We started, we connected because of our Eagle-ness. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, some random guy on Facebook tells you he's gonna start a bus company and it's going to be, we're going to actually make motor coaches. You go, okay, yeah. cool. Well, you holler at me when that happens. Well, he hollered at me when he got backing and some real people on board. And we have built a complete retail business where we sell motor coach parts and schoolie parts and parts for basically any bus out there. As well as if you have a bus, a vintage bus of any kind and you want it on a pillow, a hat, a t-shirt, a hoodie. I can get you sandals. We have face masks. Um, we have all sorts of stuff. Is this a plug? Is this a commercial? Phoenix, PhoenixCoachGlobal.com. <laughs> Feel free to go there. It's actually stored at PhoenixCoachGlobal.com if you want to go shopping. But if you guys want any of your guys' collector items from Phoenix Coach. And uh, we do. We actually have collected. We have, we have uh, die-cast buses. See, there that, you go. that you can get. So yeah, we have we have everything you can think of if it's related to buses. Are you guys actually building the buses? We or are, are you guys just selling parts. We are not. We are we are a retail company that sells parts and sells bus stuff. For that is what we have to work towards. We have a finance company who's talked to us, and we are we have to show good faith, mm-hmm. and that involves the pre order of some actual coaches by individuals as well as showing a certain number of retail sales and our retail sales are doing phenomenally we are we we have orders every day and you know we're not getting rich but we're giving people an opportunity to get the parts for their buses from a place that they know the customer service is something that we strive for because I'm a bus guy mm-hmm. I want I want your bus to run because I want your bus to be on the road so 
uh, we're not just a company that just sells parts because we sell parts. We we honestly really give a crap and want people to. Because you have the connections with these parts, are you going to have these parts at the location? Oh, we have we have the availability. You have the availability to order any parts from our from the Phoenix Coach catalog and have them shipped right to our location. Sweet. And we we also if you would if you're on property and you need parts from us, we can give you a discount for for those parts. I mean, that is a great perk for for coming and staying and working with you guys. We also have connections with solar companies. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are working on connections with tool companies and some other some other things in the works. There, there's a lot of pokers in the fire, man. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to make it as beneficial for the nomad as we can. By chance, because I know it's, it is a DIY uh, business or going to be a DIY lot kind of thing. If people are needing help, are there gonna be are there gonna be people around to give a hand with projects, or is it, or are they gonna be solely on their own? To do we we tell people to expect to be on their own, but also to expect other people to be around that will give them help whether they want it or not, <laughs> because you know damn well that anybody that is owned a bus. Mm-hmm. will see you doing something and give you unsolicited advice because they've done the same dumb thing that you're about to do mm-hmm. and they want to make you not do the dumb thing you're about to do. So I we I don't have the capability to build buses myself right now. I've got so much else going on. But what, what I am working on is part of this is we'd like to make it so that vendors, if somebody wants to come, a nomad who... Let's say there's a nomad out there that, that's a great welder, mm-hmm. and that's what he does, and he wants to do roof raises. So he goes and drives around the country doing roof raises. Well, if we could put him on a location and bring business to him, it increases his profit margin, mm-hmm. it increases our amenities, it benefits both sides, and benefits the nomadic community as a whole. So it's a win-win-win across the board. Mm-hmm. So if I can get that, if, if that's the eventual plan is to get people that are really skilled as networked and say, okay, well, we've got six people in New Orleans that are ready to do roof raises. Can you go down there and do roof raises? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've got 10 people at waypoints in Tennessee that want solar installed on their buses. My solar guy will come down and do installs on buses, but I have to, I do have to get like a group of people. Right. Yeah. You're not gonna just come down to no, not coming. I can get parts for I can get parts and and pieces all day long at a really good price for that. But to do actual installs, I'd have to have you know five six buses here that are ready to do a solar install, and he'll come down and send an install team and go. Because he's a bus guy too, so my solar guy's a bus guy too. There you go. So I mean, one bus guy for another bus guy. Exactly, and we're all we're all trying to feed each other. So well, I think that's. A lot of us in this community are working together. Yeah, I, I think it's all about sharing the spoon, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? I don't want a spoon. There's, there's an old, uh, there's an old uh, parable, of, I, and I'm not going to just say some random thing because I don't know the specifics of it. But essentially, everybody's trying to eat with a really long spoon. You ever seen this? Okay. Uh-uh. So the food is in the middle. Everybody's trying to eat with a really long spoon, but the spoon is just longer than their arms so that when they turn the spoon, they can't feed themselves. But once they realize that if they feed everyone else, mm-hmm. everyone eats, right. that's kind of the philosophy I, I see the nomad community going towards. And, and I'm really... Wow, I've never heard that explained. Yeah. 
that's and that's what we want to see across the board both in our business life and our, our personal life I love it so yeah I definitely love that I didn't mean to get like all deep on you and stuff. no of course not. <laughs> well because my head goes in all different directions I think like how do we put it on a t-shirt how do we make a sticker like, <laughs> like, one nomad helping another and one person helping a spoon and feeding another nomad yep. and that's that's what it is is, is once once we realize that if everybody is is doing well, mm-hmm. everybody's happy. I I want you to be happy just as much as I want to be happy. Right. Why am I going to be living in the lap of luxury if my neighbor down the road is is poverty and stricken and can't feed his kids? That's it's not the life I want. And that's not the, that that's not the legacy stop? I want for my kids. Because if you think about it, like going back all the way to you know cowboys and Indians life they used to all work together and trade and barter and you know there was no it's been systematically bred out of us mm-hmm. we we have over the last hundred years as a human species started becoming more internalized mm-hmm. and we started and and all of the television and media and everything else it, it all illustrates this idyllic life that's almost very solitary unless you happen to have a very extended family. If you have a lot of family members in your family, you get to do all sorts of really cool things because you get to go between their houses. But otherwise, the, the general portrayal of society is, is one of a lone family group. Mm-hmm. And I don't, think that's, I, I don't think that's the way humans are meant to be. We're, we're, we're social animals. And without that socialization, we all become dicks. <laughs> and that's a lot of what I deal with on a daily basis. Is your I defend my lifestyle all the time because I'm on the fringe of all sorts of societies. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a crazy, organic hippie that lives in a bus <laughs> in the middle of the mountains without that I'm semi-off-grid. So I'm on a lot of fringes, so I have to defend my lifestyle to a lot of quote-unquote normal people. Because, you have a lot of people coming at oh, you yeah, or questioning I do. what you do. I've always had people question what we do. Uh, we're, we homeschool our kids, and you know, I, I, I don't think that what we do is any different than anybody else. It's just we have the ability to do so without dad having to leave. I, I go to my, my office and I work on my computer and I make people's websites and I do people's marketing and I pay the bills and I get to spend all the time with my kids. So. I don't think the need for a nine to five is is there anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, and I think a lot of these companies that are providing nine to fives are realizing that too, and giving people the opportunity to be a digital nomad because they're like, and again, twenty twenty illustrated for not just our side of things, but for also the corporate side of things that they now don't have to power a building to have all of these lights on and heat and cool and and worry about oh well. Janice didn't get to work today because she wasn't able to get her car started. They don't even have those buildings when you have the people out here. You know what I mean? I know. Now we have more land that's open. Mm -hmm. Now we have more places for us to park. Yep. (laughs) And live and And, explore. And and think about the fact that if if we would have pushed this way a long time ago, a lot of us would be in a better situation than we are because we've been pushed into the, oh, I need to do this and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise... I don't get to retire at 65 and be able to stay in my home and not do anything right. and maybe travel a little bit. But instead of retiring at 65 and hoping to God that you can do something, it's like, why not just 
work and survive and do what you want for your whole I entire will, life. I will work until the day I drop dead. Mm-hmm. Because the day I stop is the day I've given up. Well, I think that's why we try to make these these businesses and these, Absolutely. En- these entities. You know, it's like we we build them so that way when the time does come, we don't have to work, and there still is a little bit of income. Yeah, which and, is it's, core, and we're, core we're not getting time. rich. No, we're not. Getting but you rich. know what? It's it's paying the bills enough, and especially when you live in a bus and you're not paying rent and you're not paying utilities on a house and you're not paying to heat and cool t- ten thousand square feet. And you're no, like, I don't want to get rich off of any of this. I don't either. I where I'm. I want my get family rich, to be okay. Where I will be rich be is when I see our community doing well. And our community is doing well, but at the same time, there's people out there that that don't have the ability to, per se, turn what their hobbies and skills are into a business, a legalized business. So if you're going to get in trouble for selling rocks on the side of the fucking mm-hmm. road, I think that's bullshit. Uh, in Tennessee, you can do that as long as the yeah. business is abandoned. Right. Sell anything you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of it's bullshit. Well, Unless and, someone's going to get sick, like food-wise. And that's the thing, is it's the oversight and the, the stepping in, and, and nobody can just be anymore. I, I have a problem with that. Well, and, the person that picked up the rock can't sell it on the side of the road, but the person that hired a million people to go pick up rocks can sell it in a store. Mm-hmm. So I just it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I've, ten years ago, I was writing in a, in, in, in my, in a blog somewhere, you know, I have a blog that I keep, Mm -hmm. it's just my thoughts, and I wrote in it, it was a single entry, all I did, I will change the world, Mm -hmm. that's what I want waypoints to be, I want waypoints to be the catalyst for people to realize that there is a better way, you can have a much more enriching life than what you're focusing on now mm-hmm. and to step out of that and go okay I'm going to give something a shot I, I tell everybody if, if somebody comes over and wants to see my bus and they're like well we're thinking about bus life jump jump mm-hmm. I don't care what you got I don't care if you got a house I don't care if you're renting I don't care jump because you only get one shot and if you do it you won't regret it well before we go further into that whole thing um and it's kind of went backwards a little bit, but I usually ask the question of, and you just answered it, what would you tell somebody that's coming into this lifestyle? Jump. Both feet. Yeah. Full board. Don't, don't, don't plan. Don't just do it. Because if you just do it, you're forced. You've forced your own hands. Mm-hmm. If you sit and plan for, for three years and go, oh, we're going to do it, we're going to put the washer here and we're do it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Because I ain't got tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow. There ain't no guarantees. Mm-hmm. So why are you waiting to change your life? Why are you waiting to change the world? Do it. Is there anything that you've that you've learned personally of being in the nomad community that you can tell others that you wouldn't see without being actually in it? Uh, yeah, because I lived both sides of it. For a long time, I lived in the normal, housey life. And you don't have this sense of community. It, it, in, in a large part, you, with a nomad community, 
I'm, I'm broke down in the middle of Arizona. Can anybody help? Mm-hmm. 20 people make a response to the post. If they can't get there, they're asking questions. What's going on? Are you, are you, do you hear a noise? Is your, do you have oil? Do you have gas? Do you have all of these things? And our community will literally sit there and troubleshoot everybody to get them back on the road, even if they're in the middle of nowhere in quartzite. You don't have that. I, I, typical house life, you, most people barely know their neighbors, let alone can go to their neighbors and be like, hey man, I'm having trouble with my water. You know, you get shot. Yeah. And, and I'm not kidding on that. That's not, not what we're looking is. for. Mm-hmm. Well, you did move to Tennessee, man. That was your choice. <laughs> I didn't move anywhere. By the I way, purple the spray States. paint on trees, watch mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah? What's that mean? No, that means it's privately on property. Don't oh. <laughs> there's, there's normally like no trespassing signs too, but uh-huh. apparently purple paint on things is a sign for just don't. Just don't. Just. You, see okay. this? You get it. You get it. Just stay there. Got it. Yeah. So go up to the door with a clipboard in your hand. You won't get to the door because the, <laughs> the paint is, is well before the door. It's it's before the driveway. It's before the edge of the property. It's before you can even oh, see the house. Oh, man. That's their problem with me is wanting to push buttons. <laughs> yeah. See, well, see how that situation turns out. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same guy that wants to push the button. Mm-hmm. I did it. I took my kid to get a SIM card yesterday, and I insisted on pushing a button. <laughs> There was a button in the middle of like one of the AT&T displays. Did it say push me? No, it was oh. just a button, but you knew it, it was a button. So mm-hmm. you, yeah. And I was, wasn't was being waited on, so I... You were about to change the world. I pushed the button. Mm-hmm. It just, no, it just lifted up the center of the console. It was oh. really disappointing. That had a key inside that you turned. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> I thought I was going to do something cooler. 